0: Sets and Reps is a podcast about wellness and growth insights from coaches and creatives who practice discipline and consistency towards goals. You can find the show on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and various other places where podcasts can be heard. Christian Merritt is a personal trainer and strength and conditioning coach who went from going to people's houses to help them train and crush their goals to just recently moving into his own space. He founded the Merritt Method
1: and has ambitions to create a culture in the community built upon performance
0: in everyday life using the gym as a training space for your mind and your body. He's been helping golfers crush it because of his love for the sport. He played a lot of hockey in high school and in college. His whole life he had been programming workouts for himself and had been very smart with his body. We talk about fitness for golf, including things like some of the major musculoskeletal injuries in that sport. We also talk about a sample training session for golfers to develop power, especially in their lower body. We also talk about the kinematics and the movements behind a golf swing and how you should properly perform the golf swing and what is happening in each phase of that golf swing. Christian Marin knows that you can't get
2: results unless you put in the reps. Here's how he puts in the reps. How you do everything is functional and efficient you need to be focused on your goals you need to understand the mental aspect of training hard in the gym being competitive in life being competitive in your job doing well in school like being a good person all that sort of stuff and then you need to perform you need to be when you walk out of the walls of the gym like you need to perform what you just taught your mind and your body in the gym. And that's how I view the gym. It's like it's a training space for your mind and body for like the rest of life, not even just sports related. So like to me, Merit Method is more of a mentality, which is why I don't just do athletes, because yeah, it's kind of an athlete mentality and it's competitive and like all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I love working with some of my older adults that, you know, used to play football or do all that stuff. Like the mentality is the same. And so I just want to create a culture like in the community that when someone walks around and they have, you know, a merit method shirt on, they people look at them and they're like, oh, that's a solid, that's a solid person. That that's driven. Like that means something, you know, to have that um you know associated with you. So for me it's kind of building that sort of a brand more than just, you know, bicep curls and bench presses and things like that you know that's that's great and that's the building blocks for it but to me it's a lot more than that
0: all right i'm here with christian Merritt, creator of Merritt method personal trainer strength and conditioning coach how are you doing today man Um, i'm good how about yourself really good thank you um at this show we live out each day like one giant set and we got to put in the reps to get results and it seems like you have been putting in a lot of the reps recently with um opening up and kind of starting to operate in your own space Um, compared, comparing now to like how you were feeling when you were preparing to do that. Is it so far, is it like everything that you were hoping it would be?
2: Yeah. It's turning into everything that I kind of wanted it to be. I mean, where I am now compared to where I was a year ago is significantly different. I mean, at this point last year, I was working for just like a local gym and, you know, wanted to work my way up and manage and do all that sort of stuff. And then it wasn't until the fall that I kind of decided I wanted to branch out and do my own thing. And, you know, I started taking weights to people's homes and with COVID and trying to just find a way to like continue to grow and make money and like do all that sort of stuff. And luckily I had a lot of people stay with me and, uh, I was able to open up the space that I'm at now. So now people have a place to go to. So I don't have to like lug around dumbbells in my car and like kill my suspension and stuff like that. So yeah. So I,
0: better. <laughs> I can imagine. I'm sure you have different clients with different goals and um, you know, different training styles. Do you feel like there was um, one way to store all your equipment that, made it super efficient for you to take it from place to place? Just no, kind of go on. Not,
2: not at all. I would bring it. I would literally for each client bring it from my front porch, which was not really that insulated. So like the, it's kind of crazy now I think about it, but like the night before I would have everything planned out on what I needed. I would bring the dumbbells and stuff that I needed for the next day into the house so that they could heat up. So that the <laughs> candles weren't cold when I brought them to my client's house. And then like I would take them and then like disperse them throughout my car and the trunk. So that like, I tried putting all of them in my trunk. I have like a Kia Optima. So like it's a four door sedan. It's not meant to tow much. I thought I was going to bottom out on the back end. So like, had to like, space out like how many went on the front seat and then like the back row and like in the trunk to keep everything level so like it kind of became a little bit of a process and i'm glad that i don't have to do that anymore
0: yeah so you were pretty much able to take all the people that you were meeting remotely and say hey i've opened up um a spot now let's start training here and like were they just on board with it right away
2: yeah so like i still go to some people's houses you know those that were with me at the last gym that i was that left and stayed with me um some of them have like added on to gyms like a lot of like a lot of people with covid are adding home gyms so they kind of did Mm. the same thing and so for me anyone new comes to my space now but like as a thank you to them i still will drive to their house luckily they're pretty local so like i'll still drive to their house and use their weights and stuff um but otherwise, I'm pretty much done with the travel part of it.
0: Awesome. Good. Before we, uh, before we started the show, you were talking to me about how your space is shared with, with another business. Um, has that created any difficulty uh, in like, expanding or operating? your business? No,
2: not right now. So we're kind of in a difficult spot. The person that I'm sharing this with was actually my boss at my previous job. And she also is my landlord for my house. Mm So the joke I tell everyone is she basically runs my life. Um, (laughs) But like, uh, so we share this space. She's great. She really is. Uh, But she has a business called uh, Run Your Life Fitness. So she's really into like, marathon training and stuff like that and then general fitness stuff and she just had her first daughter and so she's not in the space yet she's starting next month because she's on maternity leave but like we'll see if any issues come up then but like we work together i was basically her assistant at the last job so like we know we work well together and you know slightly different backgrounds but very similar thoughts and training so how we lay out the space and all that sort of stuff it's it's similar it's pretty much, you know, the same.
0: Awesome. Well, that's, that's good. I mean, it's good. if you're going to be sharing a space with someone, it's good to be on the same page, 100%. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about your background because I know that you're uh, a college athlete and you currently, uh, you know, play golf and you work with golfers a lot more, but you're um, playing for hockey at UNE, right?
2: Yep. Yep
0: and um talk so talk to me a little bit about um you know your experience with that and you know why you didn't necessarily like you know pursue a career in hockey and like you know ended up switching I guess and then tell me a little bit about your time as a uh, strength and conditioning a coach assistant as well
2: yeah so I was originally born and raised in southern California so not yep. I- there's more hockey there than people give it credit for, but it's also not, you know, the Northeast or like Minnesota or something like that either. So I knew at a certain level, if I wanted to play in college, which was always my goal, uh, that I'd be moving away. So I played junior hockey, which is kind of like in between high school and college. Did that for four years and then got recruited by UNE up here in Bedford, Maine. And, you know, they, hockey is the main sport there. Um, they get a couple thousand fans, you know, at at their games and stuff, had both majors I was looking at at the time. So it was a good fit for me. Um, and then once I finished my college career, you know, there is no other way for me to continue to play hockey. And I wanted to do more than coach on the ice. I liked being in the weight room. So that's (laughs) kind of where I wanted to coach at. Um, And so after I graduated, I was working with some, you know, hockey players down in New Hampshire, um, and helping them out. And it was great. And then I got the job at UNE as the assistant strength coach, because I already had a background with the head strength coach. Like I got certified to be a personal trainer, my junior year of school. So I actually did training and like helped her with all the testing and like was able to unofficially shadow for the last two years of school and um so we already kind of had a relationship and so she brought me on as the first assistant strength coach at the school and which was pretty cool and i liked it it was it was awesome and you know i was working at the local gym here in the mornings training clients from like you know six to one eating lunch in the car on the way from Kennebunk to Biddeford, Maine, and then going and then training the varsity athletes from like two to eight Monday through Thursday, sometimes Friday. So it was a busy schedule. It was just a little too much for me. So I didn't go back for a second year. I was getting, I was getting burnt out. I wasn't able to do some of the other things that I wanted to do, and, you know, but you know, I enjoyed it. And that's kind of why with my facility, I do general fitness I like training athletes. I like doing, you know, post PT rehab stuff. I like having a combination of clients because mm. I train them all very similarly, but in a different approach. Um, so it just kind of spices things up for me. And then once I was done playing hockey, I couldn't go right into beer league. Like I'm just too competitive of a person. to like go from a pretty high level college hockey to, you know, just playing for fun yeah and so i always kind of played golf growing up and i just started playing more and more golf and now i'm like fully obsessed and it's like borderline addictive (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's
0: good to have stuff like that because like those are healthy addictions and uh you can you can just do those all day right that's awesome i was just telling
2: the other day i was like you know the gym used to always be an outlet for me Like, growing up, like, I just, that was, if I was stressed out about something or anything was going on, like, I just went and go work out. But now that I'm in the, you know, fitness industry, I love working out still, but, like, it's also work. So, then it doesn't feel like I'm leaving work. So, for me, golf is kind of, like, that thing I get to leave and go do, and like, separate things.
0: That's actually an interesting um, point, to. So, golf is,
2: golf is your
0: ability to separate work from or uh, separate your personal, like, you know, fitness, movement, enjoyment from what you have to do for work. In your own workouts, though, when you're in the weight room, how do you feel like you've had to sp- spice it up, like you put it, like for yourself to keep it interesting? Um, because I've experienced that a little bit too, being a trainer at times, I feel like I have to like do different kinds of workouts and keep it, keep it varied because I do a lot of stuff with, you know, and and as a trainer to make money, you have to, you have to put in a lot of hours training. And so you're, you're already doing it most of the time. So how, how do you feel like you've had to change it up for yourself and, and, keep it so that you, you can stay consistent with your fitness goals.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, I wouldn't say that personally, my fitness is the way that it was when I was in college, just because I have other things that I need to take care of. Uh, But I kind of go back and forth between like, I want to be healthy. I want to like look good. I go to the beach and I also like want to play good golf and you know, that's my competitive outlet. So like, I want to win and like play in tournaments and stuff. So I kind of go back and forth. Like I'll do a couple weeks where maybe I'm a little bit more golf focused and I do a much better job with my mobility and things like that. And other days I just want to get a pump and it's mainly because it's sunny outside and I just feel like I need to get a pump. And then I also like, I had my mentor when I worked in New Hampshire, he's like, you need to be stronger than your athletes. So a big, Probably big thing that I do is I try out exercises for people, but I always have a pretty heavy, like lifting part. Like I try to lift heavy as much as I can Mm. because I don't ever want an athlete to come in and then be like, "All right, you're going to do this exercise," and then they just like outlift me. (laughs) Yeah, like have that happen. So. You know, my clients and my athletes don't know this, but I'm secretly competing with them that they can never outlift me in any exercise. <laughs> that's just how that's just how I'm wired, though.
0: Absolutely, so. that's a. I mean, that's a good mindset to have. I like that because it's like you're you're constantly being a better role model for them. I mean, it's competitive and and it's good. They don't know it's competitive, but if they they can look up to you and say. Um, like I'm in good hands basically because so like this guy's stronger than me
2: so like I'll give you an example when I was working at UNE and I was working with the women's soccer team and I had them doing a workout like a partner you could call it similar to a crossfit workout but not not a crossfit workout where like they each had like a, a partner and they had to do x number of reps in each like category and you couldn't like move on to the next exercise until you completed that exercise sort of a thing and uh, like how i drew it up on the board they love to give me a hard time but like, <laughs> I like i didn't space out the whiteboard perfectly for like everyone's name so there's a gap at the bottom and they basically challenged me and said to do the workout with them so i obviously took on the workout and i did the double reps so i did all the reps for like two people Wow.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think only one group ended up beating me. So, like, I would do that. Or, like, the football team had to do push ups at the end. So, like, I would do competitions with them and just see who could do more push ups. I yeah. think that a coach should also walk the walk. And if you compete and, like, make it fun, then they're going to want to come back and they're getting better. And, like, you build rapport with them and all that sort of stuff. So, I definitely do that sort of stuff with my athletes.
0: I think it's a, yeah, working out with them is a great way to build rapport. And there's also a fine line. If you do have a full schedule with training clients, there's a fine line between like, okay, what can I do here and there so I can work out with them and then not kill my back that day, you know? So I'll experience that too, but it's fun to just, you know, if, even if it's only part of the workout, what you do with them, just kind of just joining them on the floor or whatever.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I might make it so that I have the advantage when they're already tired or something like that. <laughs>
0: right. Well, <laughs> oh, I've just been walking around following you, so I'm I'm going to go down and crush yeah. this. I'm super fresh.
1: Right, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> um, so golf is your, it's like, you know, your obsession. You were you were mentioning it. Um, and I know you got certified for TPI. And I've seen Greg Rose speak at, like perform better. And I think, um, really, really great guy to listen to, um, talk about like the golf swing and talk about hip rotation and pelvic tilting and kind of all the, all the tests and stuff that he does. And, uh, I just remember there is some kind of giant like facility Down wherever it is that he operates you know what i'm talking about um have you seen that is that a place that you've seen before and um yeah that's cool uh talk to me a bit about like what drew you specifically to tpi and um yeah
1: well
2: mainly for tpi like it it allows me it gets me the foot in the door when i talk to golfers and strength training because golf is this weird niche and the fact of you know, if you talk to older generations, it's like, well, you don't really need to lift for golf. Like you're gonna to get too booky and you're not going to, you know, be able to have good mobility and all that sort of stuff. That none of that is true. So but it's hard to convince people that that's kind of what I would say is the wrong thinking. But if I can say I'm certified in this, it's specific to golf, then kind of no matter what I say after that, they're going to believe me a little bit more than if I didn't have that. So for me, TPI was a foot in the door as a selling point. And on top of that, I believe in a lot of the things that they talk, they have you do the assessment process. Um, They have like an app you can use, take people through the assessment. Based on how their results are, it'll kind of spit out, you know, a result or a number of how mobile or stable or strong they are. And then based on that information tells me swing flaws that they might have, if they were to go get lessons from like a swing coach and almost every time I've given, well, not almost, I think every time I've given an assessment, I've been dead on without ever looking at a golf swing and saying, this is probably what you do in your golf swing, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then how are we going to fix it? So that is huge and having that assessment process and being able to like use their apps for that. Um, But TPI in general is based a lot like FMS. If you're familiar with the functional movement screen, a lot of the things that they have you do is very similar to kind of what an FMS would be, just a slight spin more on hip rotation and things like that than an
1: FMS would.
0: Thanks for listening to Sets and Reps. Here's a word from last week's guest in case you
1: missed it. Tablets. For us, we wanted a delivery system that could carry a high dose that would help us keep the cost down because they're fairly inexpensive to create. They have a huge shelf life. There's a super, super almost non-existent risk of that product ever growing bad mold or bacteria. They're super homogeneous so one tablet is the same as the next is the next and the next it allows us to uh house daily values of other vitamins so like our defense line has 150 milligrams of elderberry per tablet per tablet our combat line vitamin c d3 e zinc those are all daily values vitamin c 90 milligrams zinc 5.5 you know plus the 25 milligrams of cbd Your body it's easy for it to digest everything's made with a healthy sugar if you chew on them it's actually good for your teeth it's a beet sugar um it's it it just to us it just kind of seemed like a no-brainer some people see it as a pill you know we don't you know we see it as a really effective delivery system uh we got some sweet r&d work right now with these rapid dissolve fizzies um Mm. i was able to source powderized kombucha so prebiotic probiotic it's Whoa. literally like drinking kombucha but you bite the tablet and it fizzes we found powderized fruit so they take the fruit they break it down into a puree, they powderize it you get the healthy sugar from the fruit you get all the healthy microfibers and the vitamins and minerals but it's in a tablet you bite it fizzes away in your mouth like we can do some cool stuff and as we grow the company we're going to continue to roll out super innovative products
0: at the, uh, at the meeting with, or at the, um, the, what do you want to call it? I want to say conference, but yeah, conference. Um, he was having us do like, put your hands on your shoulders and, um, see if you can like dissociate upper body from the lower body and like rotate your hips back and forth on a swivel. (laughs) It's just like a ton of people like shaking their booties all around and like It was just funny because, like, a lot of people couldn't really do it. Um, Yeah. That's
1: important, too, in the
2: swing, right? So, like, they call it – the official terminology is the kinematic sequence. So, like, if you watch a golfer swing at a golf club, like, they bring the club back. And then once they get to the top of the backswing, their hips initiate all movement. And then it's basically, like, a lagging process from your hips through your core, up, you know, through T-spine, then shoulders, down through the arms, and then eventually into the club, which whipped and like you're timing all of that. That's why golf is, I think, super hard sport for hitting a tiny white ball that's not moving in a hole that's stationary. Like it's harder than people give it credit for because of all those variables. So like you got to learn how to get the hips firing and create that lag so that you can hit the ball farther. You can have all the strength in the world, but if you can't do that, then you're losing out on
0: yeah that's awesome so what uh what do you feel like is more important is it is it the the power of the hips or the t-spine rotation thoracic spine or both
2: um i go more hip dominant for just about everything i do whether it's golf related athlete related or post-rehab related I tell my clients, the phrase I always use is the hips kind of lead everything, um, hips lead knees. Uh, people think that they can't rotate through their back and then they're like, well, I don't have a big backswing or I have these back issues or something along those lines. I take them through their assessment and I'm like, well, based on this, you passed the, you know, the T-spine. Your back is plenty mobile, but your hips are glued like cement. That's why you're feeling it in your back is because your back can't overcompensate enough for how immobile your hips are. So I think a big thing that people can work on if they're just like super general, anything just health related, golf related, rotational athlete related is working on having mobility and strength in internal and external rotation because that's really all your hips are doing in order to create that swivel. So being able to do that efficiently cleans up a lot of other issues.
0: I see. And it's good because just working with athletes, you, you see this and you see the, the benefits of properly prescribing exercises. I know we're not supposed to like prescribe foods, but we can prescribe exercises for people. Right. Um, Based on their needs, which is excellent. Yeah. Um, you've you've worked with a lot of golfers before, and you mentioned that you do post like rehab stuff with them too. What's what do you feel like is the biggest musculoskeletal aches and pains, pains and injuries that they deal with the most? Like the most common thing.
1: Yeah. So it's usually
2: other it's than yeah. Sorry. elbows um sure right, like we were just kind of talking about shoulders you need a certain level of external rotation on your trail arm for golf in order to kind of get into the slot that they would call it for the proper swing path so that you like, hit the ball straight um and then if you think about it, all that torque eventually goes for the elbows so you get you, know, you grip the club super hard you're using all of those your forearm muscles to be general and you know that's just creating issues at the elbow as well so it just depends on where they're most immobile or where their strength is lacking that kind of dictates where they're going to associate that pain but they're just different levels down that sort of kinematic sequence that i was
1: talking about
0: got you different levels um based on what they're struggling with um that's good yeah and you can definitely fix those up probably pretty simply in a training session, right? Like what's, what's an example of like um, a train, like a power session that you might walk through uh, with a golf athlete to um, build like explosiveness in the hips.
2: Um, for the hips. I just, so like what's
0: your, like, what's your go-to exercises?
2: Honestly, broad jumps and vertical jumps. You're yeah. Power. Uh, it's still the best test for just about anything um it's what you do how well you use the ground all that sort of stuff um because in the golf swing what's really happening is you're squatting down like you're going to do a vertical jump and you're extending you watch the guys on the pga tour their feet actually come off the ground when they make contact with the ball Um, So they're getting that much explosion through the hips, but then you add a little bit of rotation. So first we work sagittal plane. Can we do that? Can we be explosive in that? Can we control the landing in that? Then okay, let's add rotation to it um, and then kind of go through there. Uh, I will also go pretty heavy on anti-rotation exercises while I build up that sagittal plane power because what I don't want is to get someone so powerful and they have all this gas and they have zero brakes because then we're just going to create injuries down the line. So you got to build that base first. So I generally try to build in brakes before I build in speed. Mm-hmm. But sadly, there's no real issues
0: other than other than um golf athletes what would you say like you're your, uh, your favorite population to work with is?
2: Uh, I'm partial to hockey players. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're all a little bit of a different breed, to be honest. Um, and it's just what I know, what I'm comfortable with. You know, I can relate really well um, to those athletes, but I've worked with everything. Like when I was at UNE, the teams I we were in charge of, um, I worked with all seven Team varsity teams, but I wrote programs and like had full control over men's and women's ice hockey, um, men's soccer, uh, men's and women's cross country, which is super different than anything. Uh, and I think I'm forgetting. Um, I think it was swimming. So like kind oh, wow. of a variety of like different sports. So you're them slightly different. Some of it's the same, but Different. for
0: cross-country athletes i'm curious what what did their programming look like because they have to kind of run pretty long distance but you know i feel like there should be a foundation of strength there as well
2: yeah it's really getting them stronger because they need to be able to have the strength in the joints to withstand the cyclical repetitive motion that they're doing when they run, as well as the pounding that they're going to have every time that they heel strike. Mm-hmm. And that's just going up, you know, and eventually just getting to the hips and then it might die off from there, but, um, uh, getting them stronger and more stable through the ankles, knees, and hips. Um, you know, I, I didn't work with them a lot on breathing. I didn't know a lot about it back then, but I think for runners, I mean, I'm not PRI certified, but I'm interested in getting that certification. And I've been doing a lot of research in that area. What is that? PRI, the Postural uh, Restoration Institute. uh, It's basically going into how your diaphragm and air flowing in and out of your body, how it reorients and changes structural things. So, if I can get a distance runner to be strong in all of their major joints, and then I can also teach them to breathe more efficiently while they move, then I think more efficient air in, more oxygen, you're gonna last longer, you're not gonna cramp. I haven't done a lot with that, but mm-hmm. as I've been reading more about it, I see that as a population that might benefit from it, but I have not started down that path yet. Cause I'm not really working with any long distance people currently.
0: I just finished reading a book called uh, breath by James Nestor. Have you heard of that before? I have not. It's really, it's a really interesting read. Um, and you know, I recommend you read it and all my listeners read it too, but it's, uh, it, it, this gentleman that wrote it. It's the book starts with, with him like doing a breathing study because a lot of people are like mouth breathers Mm -hmm. and the study showed like how detrimental breathing through your mouth actually is for your body. Because like he was forced to breathe through his mouth for like 10 days and like, you know i think cortisol like that that's the the bad hormone that like went up and like uh like the blood uh, his blood pressure went up and like all these detrimental effects were happening to his body and then when he switched for 10 days and just was breathing through his nose everything went down and like he was snoring a lot less and like um and so it was just a bunch of crazy things like that's how the book starts but like it talks about breathing from like all different walks of life and like how through the past it's been used for meditation. And even at the end of the book, there's like different breathing practices too. So I just think it's like super important. People don't even realize it half the time.
2: Yeah, it definitely, it's kind of that, uh, more like fifth element of training. So I don't have, a I like lot that we'll do it, but you know, if they're getting more advanced then how they're going to breathe. I'll focus on that. Um, Once they've kind of figured out how to move really well in the movements I want them to do, then I'll say, you know, I want you to work. uh, And each rep goes with your breath. And I don't know if you've ever tried doing a workout like that. It's humbling. If you exhale every time you concentrically move and you inhale every time you eccentric every time, every time, and you don't change that tempo, you will be gassed in 20 minutes. (laughs) i 'm Not kidding, I did it one time, and I was like, you know i I think I 'm a pretty strong guy, and like the thirty pound dumbbells killed me <laughs> like and I realized i don 't know how to breathe very well, so uh, that 's what kind of made me research it with covid i I haven 't gone to get certified, but it 's kind of on my list of, of things,
0: yeah. Well, since you mentioned it, I'm definitely going to look into it too. Cause I loved reading that book and I definitely think personally, I wanted to include it more with my clients and I'm trying to figure out different ways to do it here and there. I feel like it works best as like a, like a cool down. You could, you could do like breathing exercises as part of a cool down, you know, like something easy as that, but yeah. Like what you're saying with being more intentional with breathing while you focus on reps, it's always funny. The first time you'd say like, okay, breathe out here inhale here the client always gets like oh wait I have to think about it and like they have to like redo it the whole time so
1: yeah, yeah exactly
0: um let's take it back a little bit because I really I really uh liked how from a young age you were you were uh, you were kind of you know you had support from your dad and you were kind of like you were receiving um intellectual uh, pathways for like how you should do things with your body, um, because of his background in kinesiology and it kind of like helped lead you to where you are today. But I liked how at a young age you were like writing programs and you were making sure you were, you know, being real safe with your body. Um, do you have any advice for young athletes who are starting out and maybe they don't have that support and, and they, you know, um, or just advice for young athletes in general when it comes to safely building foundations that are going to help them for the rest of their life?
2: Yeah. I mean, probably the biggest thing is stop looking at Instagram. To be completely honest with you. I know like I, I post a good amount on Instagram. I'm part of groups and we go back and forth on, you know, f- the fight on Instagram for good content versus, you know, just kind of, throwing something out of the wall and see if it sticks. So I would not base most of your training off of Instagram. Um, and go back to the basics. I mean, like <laughs> I still do pushups. Like people, like kids think that I I need to bench. No, you don't actually really need to bench ever. Um, <laughs> pushups are a great thing for you. Like I started, so like my dad, did have a background in kinesiology. Um, he worked in that field for a little bit before switching to business. And so I think when I was seven or eight years old, he had me doing planks, bodyweight squats, and push ups. And I had like wood blocks and I would go push ups so that I could get a bigger range of motion than regular push ups. And like I would do that. And I had X amount I had to do every day. And I did that for years. Then I got to graduate to like the Bowflex that we had in the garage. And I like, felt like I was pushing weight, even though I really wasn't. And then like from there, then he took me to the gym. And again, it was the same sort of exercises, but like, I just gradually went through and I look back now, I mean, I'm 28 years old. I started lifting when I was like eight or nine, I would say. And those basics help me so that if I can't work out for a period of time, like when I was working a lot at UNE and the other job, like I didn't have time for my own workouts. I didn't prioritize them because I like wanted to go home and eat and sleep. And, but my strength kind of stayed there. Like your body doesn't forget about all of those basics that you did. So for me, the hardest part for kids is to make them, like have enjoyment in doing the basics over and over and over and over again. Um, But if they can buy into that, then it's going to serve them better down the line.
0: Nice. I like that. Your body doesn't forget about the basics. Good. Right on. Thanks for that. Yeah. Before we, uh, before we wrap things up here, it's been a really great conversation with you, Christian. Um, Talk to me about how you've, hope uh to expand your business in the future and and if there's anything you can speak on when it comes to ideas that you have uh it seems like you're in the you you know you're in like the stages of getting on getting into like you know getting comfortable getting into you know what you really want to go where you really want to go with this right so where like you know talk to me about where you want to go with this
2: Yeah. So like right now, I mean, big step for me was moving into the facility that I'm at, which is 1800 square feet, which is, which is great. It's bigger than, you know, I probably really need right now, but um, I eventually want to break off, have my own facility where I'm not sharing it. Um, And that's not a secret with the person I'm currently sharing this with. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, to where I'm having, Athletes and adults and PT, all the stuff that I normally do, but on a bigger scale. So like something more like a 4,000 square foot space where you have adult fitness classes, but they're doing strength and conditioning workouts and like making it fun and making them athletic. And then you have the athletes coming in. You know, I want to have a spot that has some PTs there so everything can stay in house. I would love to have a golf simulator, half selfishly for myself, half Because you know, I want to have that rapport um, in the golf industry. And, you know, eventually for me, I see myself getting more to more like a management type role. I always want to train, but I'd also know that I don't want to be the person on the floor training 40 hours a week either. Like I want to manage the business and understand what merit method is, which to me is a mentality. So, Like my slogan is function, focus, and performance. Like you need to be functional and efficient in how you move, how you think, how you live your life, how you manage your money, how you do everything is functional and efficient. You need to be focused on your goals. You need to understand the mental aspect of training hard in the gym, being competitive in life, being competitive in your job, doing well in school, like being a good person, all that sort of stuff. And then you need to perform. You need to be, when you walk out of the walls of the gym, like you need to perform what you just taught your mind and your body in the gym. And that's how I view the gym. It's like, it's a training space for your mind and body for like the rest of life, not even just sports related. So like, to me, merit Method is more of a mentality, which is why I don't just do athletes because yeah, it's kind of an athlete mentality and it's competitive and like all that sort of stuff. But you know, I love working with some of my older adults that, you know, used to play football or do all that stuff. Like the mentality is the same. And so I just want to create a culture like, in the community that when someone walks around and they have, you know, a Merit Method shirt on, they, people look at them and they're like, Oh, that's a solid, that's a solid person. That, that's driven. Like, that means something, you know, to have that, um, you know, associated with you. So for me, it's kind of building that sort of a brand. More than just you know, bicep curls and bench presses and things like that. You know, that's that's great and that's the building blocks for it. But to me, it's a lot more than that. I like
0: that. That's really, that's uh, inspiring, and um, it's um, really gives you the meaning and like purpose to like what you're doing if you have a way that you can reframe what you are now into what you want to become uh that's just awesome so keep keep doing that keep visualizing that i need to do that more people need to do that more just like see yourself in a different lens yeah um because it's gonna it's you're gonna get there and i i truly believe that like you just just from talking to you here um I'm loving the posts that I see on your, on your account. I'm loving like the website. And, and I just, I hope you keep growing your client base and um, that you take the necessary steps to uh, filling out that space and, and getting into your own space. So
2: thanks man. I appreciate that's it. That's awesome. Yeah. It.
0: So uh merit method is the name, right. And uh, where can, uh, where can people find you? and all of that just plug your website and, and everything like that
2: yeah so websites meritmethod.com, Um uh, and I do most of my stuff on Instagram a little bit on Facebook um, but my Instagram is merit M-E-R-R-I-T-T underscore method M-E-T-H-O-D um, and you know take a look see what I got I just kind of talk about what I would tell my normal clients On there and give sort of general advice. And um, if you have questions about what I do or anything else, just shoot me a message. I answer all my messages um, as soon as I can, usually later in the day after I'm done with my clients, but I'll get back to you that day. (laughs) Absolutely. All
0: right. Amazing. Thank you, Christian. Thanks a lot. Um, This has been Sets and Reps, where we put in the work, the reps to get the results every day. I appreciate you, man.